Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of The Punisher. The Punisher. I will punish you. I will punish you. I am so punished by life. (laughs) How are you, Damas? Yeah, I'm good. Um, It's a beautiful hot day. I'm sweating in places that... I've never sweat before. I That's think. a good point. I'm going to, oh. I, I'm going to remove my shoes <laughs> while like, you Rod say that. Didn't a, just do a sneaky little fart. That was his shoes. No, no, that's me going. I'm actually. That's a really good idea. And I should. Why am I wearing shoes inside? That's this is so pointless. Weird. Socks off too. Uh, that's good. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. This mm. is a lovely day. We can't be out there because we're in here. And we would fry. And we would. Well, we would just blister. <laughs> we are so pasty. <laughs> yeah. mm. How are you? Yeah, good, good, mm. good. Um, been to the cinemas a couple of times this week. That was what fun. have you seen? Saw uh, Justice League. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I saw your tweet, so I know. But yeah, yeah. Uh, how are you going with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a movie by definitions oh, of cool. it has moving pictures and sound. No, it's <laughs> it's not that bad. It's right. not Batman vs Superman bad. Mm. Oh, um, that's good. That's something. It at least functions as an entertaining movie for the most part. Oh, that's good. Um, it just isn't a lot of nonsense. Skips over a bunch of like crucial character stuff. Has the, a terrible villain. Right. Yeah, I've heard that the villain is particularly awful. And also, I got to see The Disaster Artist, the Melbourne premiere oh, of The Disaster Artist last yeah. night. Which was very and good. It was. Oh, thank goodness. It was really I was good. so worried that it was going to be shit. For those who don't know, The Disaster Artist is a James Franco direct, written and directed, I think, um, film about Tommy Wiseau. And the making of living the legend, fil- living legend, and the making of the film, the best worst film ever made, mm-hmm. The Room. Yep. Uh, I highly recommend you find and track down and watch The Room. Maybe go see a midnight screening somewhere. It is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It is so horrendously great. Um, and they made a yeah. The, well, ja- James Franco and his brother Dave Franco, who plays the other lead character, Greg Sestero, um, play the leads. And it, uh, oh, yeah, the worry was that you make a movie about like the making of a bad movie and you can mm. spoil the magic. Yeah. And also just like the the room is so funny in such a weird way. Like it it is like just lightning in a 
bottle. Yeah, is basically. That, yes, yeah, exactly yeah. Right. It's like, how did this hap- happen? I was like, so you couldn't then, intentionally then, recreate yeah, it. To write to. a comedy about that, you're like, yeah. oh, are you kind of missing the point? Are you not going to quite get there? Or yeah, I think that's probably one of the hot things that's great about this. Is mm. while it is obviously funny because Tommy Wiseau and the room, by nature of its existence, is funny. Yeah, it actually is often not playing for laughs. That's good. It is playing for sincerity and mm. for and that's what makes it funny. Well. Kind of. I mean, there are certain moments where you look at it and go, that was, I mean, also, I went and saw this in a room full of people who know what the room is. Mm. Like, it's because it was the premiere, it was, everyone knew what was going on there. Yeah. In fact, too many people were talking, if you ask me, because too many people thought it was like their uh, ability, mm. their chance, it was for them, they could do whatever they wanted in the cinema. Yeah. Pissed me off a little bit. But, <laughs> so, everything that, like, as soon as James Franco walks Onto onto the screen as Tommy Wiseau, everyone's oh, hi, just yeah. is just laughing, yeah, because oh my god, James Franco playing Tommy, <laughs> and so but there are moments in there that mm. are definitely funny because of who Tommy is, but it isn't. But it, there's still a, it's played straight as yeah. straight as you can which play Tommy what, Wiseau, which is what makes the room the room is yeah. that it's played completely straight. Exactly. But it's just full of like bizarre, like how did this happen to be? And the best part of all that and the thing that I didn't anticipate going into it was how good Dave Franco is as Greg Sestero. Yeah, right. Who has to play essentially the straight man to mm. Tommy's unintentional um, comedic character and sells it as someone who you believe that he cares and gets something from Tommy as his friend. Right. Good. It's really Great. good. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really happy, happy to hear that. Also, like childhood heroes are all turning out to be massive super creeps, so that sucks. But apart from that, yeah. life goes on. Fucking yeah. John Lasseter too. Mm, yeah, your brother Liam just told me that earlier today. That's really Fuck. upsetting. Fuck, man. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, spoiler warning. On this episode, <laughs> we'll be discussing everything that happens in the first season of The Punisher. Before listening, we recommend watching all of The Punisher up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Some facts and figures for you. The Punisher is a Netflix original action drama series based on the Marvel comic book superhero of the same name and not including the team-up event, The Defenders, is the fifth Marvel superhero series from the online streaming service. Created by Jerry Conway, John Romita Sr. and Ross Andrew, The Punisher, a.k.a. Frank Castle, made his debut in The Amazing Spider-Man number 129 in February of 1974. Adapting the character to the small screen is Steve Lightfoot, a TV writer and producer whose credits include Hannibal and Narcos, which I think you can sort of see that tonal influence yes. on, um, on The Punisher. The show stars John Bernthal, Amber Ro- uh, Rose Rivard, Eben Moss Bacharach, mm. Jamie Ray Newman, Paul Schiltz, Jason R. Moore, and Ben Barnes as Billy Russo, aka Jigsaw. Not that that ever comes up or is important to the plot of this show. No. That is not really stated at any stage. Season one consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 53 minutes, and took us approximately 11 hours and 25 minutes of our life to watch. <sighs> Damask, do you have a story synopsis for us? I do. Do indeed. Excellent. Take it away. All right. Punisher season one rundown. So there's this guy named Pete and he loves hitting bricks. He meets a kid called Donnie and they get along, but then the mean girls at his high school bully him and so Donnie's embarrassed to play with poor old Pete. The kids are doing a little hazing ritual in a concrete pit. Donnie's not a great swimmer and also is allergic to concrete hardening on his skin, so he starts panicking. 
Pete sees this happening and decides to punish the mean girls for their disregard of workplace health and safety guidelines. He smashes their heads in with a sledgehammer. Donnie is very appreciative, although a little concerned about who he can hang out with now during lunch since Pete killed all his friends. But you know what? Pete isn't really Pete. Surprise! Underneath that beard is a man named Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher. And while Frank is punishing some baddies, a techno-savvy whiz kid recognises him on surveillance footage and decides to contact him. The guy's codename is Micro, and he had to fake his own death because the government hates him. It's a real Edward Snowden-type situation, except instead of escaping to Russia, Micro has decided to live in an old set from The Matrix and watch his grieving family from afar. So, Micro asks for Frank's help in exposing and killing the people that want him dead. Frank goes off to murder those people and find out more about, I don't know, stuff, like the fact that his special forces team were actually an illegal drug trade and assassination squad, and that the video that Micro leaked to get himself in big trouble was believed to be recorded by Frank, and that's why they killed his family. Oh dear, such hijinks. Meanwhile, at Homeland Security, Agent Madani has been promoted because her old boss is super dead now, thanks to the Punisher. She's also investigating the Special Forces death squad that Frank used to work for because they killed her old partner. I wish I could write a more nuanced description of her struggles, but the writers of this show haven't, so I don't see why I should. There's one guy at the agency that she gets along with. I think his name is Ducky. Or is that the best friend from Pretty in Pink? Whatever, I'm pretty sure they're the same character. Agent Madani then starts boning a guy that owns a business that hires out mercenaries for fun office parties, who knows, and you just know this guy is going to turn out evil because he has beady little eyes and a creepy sex appeal that can only be of interest to 14-year-old girls and boring women who hate themselves. And guess what? He is evil. He was Frank's BFF in the army days, what a small world, and he's still working for Agent Orange who is the guy behind the whole thing. Frank and Micro eventually find Agent Orange, but he's super protected and hard to kill, so they team up with Madani to get him. There's a bunch of stuff about Micro's family and Frank being a surrogate dad, which is fine and definitely does something to my ovaries that is purely biological, but that's about it. The beady-eyed evil guy kidnaps Micro's family and so they organise a swap, Micro and Frank, for Mrs. Micro and Micro Jr. The swap goes down, Frank is taken, Micro is shot, and Mrs. Micro loses her shit for about seven hours. I hope her hands smell good because she is really smooshing them all over her son's face for a very long time. But she should calm her bloody farm because Micro isn't really dead. It was all a ruse in order for Beady Eyes and Agent Orange to take Frank back to the Matrix set because that's where he keeps all his porn and secret government files. Frank gets the absolute shit beaten out of him and slowly Beady Eyes and Agent Orange start turning on each other. Beady Eyes cuts Frank's handcuffs and then he goes full Punisher on Orange's ass. R.I.P. But Frank still needs revenge, so he hunts down Beady Eyes. They meet in Central Park and have a go on the merry-go-round. It's adorable. That is until Frank rips half of Beady's face off with a mirror. That scene was vomit-inducing, which I appreciate. So, Frank can finally hang up his hat, the government is happy that they can blame a couple of dudes for widespread corruption, and Micro's family is together. All is well. The end. Why did it take, like, 12 hours to do this? (laughs) Jeez. Just, can I, I want to clarify something here. A detail I may have missed as I just fell into, like, a stupor watching this Mm. show. They They thought that Frank recorded the video of the guy being shot that was being tortured in. Yeah. Even though he was, was the Gunner. guy that shot him. 
Oh, that he released it? I don't know. I can't remember. Released it, maybe. I was going to say the recording doesn't make any sense yeah, to right. me. Yeah, okay. The released sense. it, maybe. I can imagine that. But the recording yeah. bell was like, uh, what? That doesn't make any He's sense. just got a selfie stick. What's hard to understand? <laughs> I can imagine that. Comes up to the guy. <laughs> selfie. <laughs> um, all right. Mm-hmm. Five word summation for your thoughts on the Punisher Season 1 to Mass. All right. Marvel overcooks its show again. Okay. What's yours? Slow, gritty descent into dumbness. <laughs> like the twist at the end. Thank there. you. Thank you. All right. Let's get into it then. And let's get one thing out of the way straight away. Uh, I feel please. like already we're setting the tone just with the way that we're approaching <laughs> this. That uh, uh, <clears throat> So, we've ad nauseum talked about how Marvel, the Marvel Netflix series, keep making one crucial mistake. We have talked about it. Every reviewer I've seen has talked about it. Everyone acknowledges this. Except and Netflix, yet, apparently. Yeah. And yet here we are, again, having to talk about it. Again. I don't want to talk about it. I no. would love if this was not the case, but they continue to do it. Oh, 13 episodes. 13 episodes, 15 Almost minutes. an hour long each. And there is, I swear... I think this could be a two and a half hour movie mm-hmm. and you could fit the real important beats of this story into it. Obviously, you couldn't fit every event that happens into it, mm-hmm. but half of these events don't need to be there. You could strip them out wholesale Agreed. and get to these points in different ways and you could do all of this in two and a half hours. And the idea that it needs to take 13 or tw- 11 or 12, whatever it is, is absurd. So over the top and it just... It's boring to watch. It, like it gets boring, yeah. It's just like there. I feel like there are just spaces in between, you know, scenes that I can actually remember, and it's just blank space for me. I don't remember it's what happened in noise. them. I don't remember the beginning of an episode to the end of an episode. Yeah, because like by the time I get to like that forty-five, fifty-minute mark, I've forgotten what happened in minute five. You know, yeah. like it's been so long. And I'm like getting so many different perspectives and different like story threads throughout the episode. It's just, it's a lot and it's too much and it's unwieldy. Because I want to say, are we going to get more specifically into the story and the themes and stuff of this season as we go along? But there, I think there's actually a good story in there. I agree, totally. I, it just doesn't need to be 13 hours long. No, of course not. And like I liked, I was enjoying the first episode um, mm-hmm. as it was doing this good thing of transitioning away from Daredevil. We got to see this little montage of Frank fulfilling his, like, Punisher thing. He went and killed all those people who were responsible for his family's death. Yeah, that opening montage is great. Great. And even I was even enjoying seeing the whole first episode where he's not talking a whole lot. He's trying to get on with his life. Mm -hmm. He's, like, dealing with life after the Punisher. Um, But... In hindsight, you could have done all of that in about 15 minutes and mm-hmm. been just as effective. Um, and that's your act, end of act one, start act two. Okay, he's pulled back into being the Punisher again. And instead, it takes a whole... And like that episode by itself is fine, but you put it in the context of the rest of this season and it's just an... It's, like you said, overcooked. Mm-hmm. It's just going and going and going. And it's, I wondered for a while whether this 13 episode thing was some sort of contractual obligation that... Marvel and Netflix had with each other when they decide to develop the whole Marvel Netflix thing, right? Right. So you got your first four Defender heroes and they've all got these 13 episode seasons. And then we got the Defenders and it was eight episodes. And while the Defenders isn't great, we were at least very relieved that it was a shorter season. And I'm like, brilliant. It's to the show's benefit. They've learnt their lesson. They finally made the necessary change that 
all of these. Things. I think like you could almost argue that there wasn't enough time to explore those characters properly in the Defenders because there well, was that's what's so four shocking main heroes. Is that you have these seasons with one character that is just stretched out beyond belief, mm-hmm. and then when you finally put them together, you have a shorter amount of time yeah. when you have more characters. It's a very strange decision. And so I wondered whether like this contractual like, ob- obligation, maybe it won't apply to the Punisher because the Punisher wasn't part of the initial plan, yeah, right? He's not a, one of the Defenders heroes. He basically won his spin-off because he was they were happy with his results in Daredevil Season 2 mm. and they could develop that character further. And But no, no, they couldn't even then go, all right, let's reduce this to 10 episodes. Let's just cut three episodes off this thing. This week, yesterday, in fact, as we're recording this, mm. um, the Hulu Runaway series, which is a Marvel <gasps> series, yeah. has released its first three episodes. Really? Mm-hmm. I've not seen it yet. Okay. It's coming out weekly. The first three episodes all launched at once, but from mm-hmm. now on, it's coming out weekly, which mm. excites me because that's a good way to do right. this. And there's only 10 episodes in the season. Ooh. So, I'm keen. How long are the episodes? About the 50-minute mark 50 as well. Minute, yeah. yeah. But there's also... Six characters in that show. Yeah. Like, they are a team from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, there's more to explore there. Um, I hope I like it. Uh, it's getting positive reviews so far. Okay, cool. I'm looking should, forward to watching it. Should I read the comic first? Um, I don't know. I love the comic. You certainly... I would ha- happily lend you the, the trade paperback over there. I might borrow it it's when I leave today. Great. I think it would be right up your alley. Cool. Um, I've been meaning to do that for ages because you always recommend it. Yeah, yeah. And now would be a perfect time to do mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, anyway. So, let's just get out of the way now. Show, too many episodes, stretched out. One episode to the next. Uh, there's a couple of them that stand... Like, I can remember a specific event or it may even be self-capsulized as sort of a mini movie or something like that. Mm. But the majority of it, it's like... It's, it's all white noise Just full to me. of Frank and Micro... Grumbling at each other, um, Frank creeping on Micro's family, <laughs> and then um, the cops at Homeland Security having tense conversations about having to whether they keep their stuff secret from their superiors <sighs> in a grey office space, and that's the show. <laughs> like mm. that is so much of the show sprinkled in with ultra violence. I feel here like and this there. podcast is just going to be me sighing a lot, just looking but, back and sighing. But I don't want to. I don't want to think say that this is all bad. I think no, there's actually a lot of good in this show. My sighing comes from frustration. Yeah, because I see a good show in there, and I, there are some elements. I'm like, oh, that's really good. That's great. That is so good. Particularly the micro and Frank stuff. I really think it's great to have them together. I think it's a really good dynamic. They're both great performers. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well written yeah. I think a lot of it too I think they're well defined characters I think the problem is there's this really slow growth with mm-hmm. them it's like it's especially Micro like I like his character but he seems to be a long train to nowhere with that character it's just like he agonises that he's had to fake his own death from his family he watches Frank get close to them and gets a little bit jelly and then he finally is able to like see them again he's a bit nervous about that I, I enjoyed that like his trepidation about mm. meeting his daughter again and all that sort of stuff, and I was waiting for this re, uh, the re, him reuniting with his family the entire season. But a lot of it's and him being a bit weird about violence is other sort of characteristic. But he, I don't know, he doesn't change a whole lot or grow as a person. No, I just think it's good for a character like the Punisher to have someone like Micro around. Hundred percent, I agree. think he's great pairing because for him. he doesn't have 
superpowers, yes. really. He's just an angry dude mm-hmm. with some great military training to then have someone who can use drone strikes or just like technology to like to have that on his side. I think it's really important. What's the analogy that you use? If you're like going up against the US military, like yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. The analogy I think that Micro uses is that every missile needs a guidance system and he's like Frank's guidance system. I was like, yeah, he's the man in the chair. He's the man behind the computer screen who helps. And that is a great pairing. And you could very easily have a Punisher series where Frank is on his own because Frank doesn't could do that. Mm. But that's not going to make you very good television. He's going to have no one to talk to. Exactly. You need to have those conversations. And so he's a great... uh, pairing with him, I think. And that Mm -hmm. worked really well. It was very smart. And Micro's introduction was... Pretty clever and, yeah, I, I enjoyed all that. Yeah, and I it was nice to have those scenes. So I have seen a lot of complaints online that it was too much talking, not enough the Punisher, which, you know, fair, if that's what you want out of your Punisher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I liked it. I think it's it was really important for me to see not only these two men, like they have shared trauma, as in like they've both experienced trauma and they can yeah. kind of talk about that, but also like – have a good sense of humor about things and bounce off each other. But God. not quippy. No, not it's quippy. It's not that quippy like the things they try and do with Daredevil, with it's Foggy or foggy, with Karen yes, exactly. or with any of those things. It's mm-hmm. not that it's just, it's actually character. Yes, well it's the personalities well, actually bouncing off each I'd other. I love it. And yeah. I, I did want to put in and here. And I love that Frank is just a grumpy old man. And that's, that's really good. Again, I think... The biggest problem it has is that, like, if you're worried there's enough Punisher in here, I don't think they prioritized the talking and the act. Like, I think the imbalance is there. I just think it's so, because it has to be extended over 30 Mm. episodes, it feels diluted. And diluted is the word I kept coming back to. This whole Mm, story is diluted. Um, So, I kind of understand that, but I think, I don't think it's that the ratio is off. I just think it's being spread out too much. Mm -hmm. The, I really like, um, John Bernthal as the Punisher. He's fantastic. A lot. Yes. And that whole, I'm gruff, you know, angry, macho man mm. thing could get really tiring. Or could just come off as funny. Funny. it takes itself so seriously. And but it with him, it does I'm take there. itself very seriously. very seriously. For better and for worse, it does take itself very seriously. Then times it, sorry, I'll like finish your thought. Uh, yeah. The, the, my just take, I just actually felt like Frank, felt like a real human being mm-hmm. and even people that I identify or know or identify with, not necessarily people who are like vets or, you know, have a violent traumatic past, but men that I know whose identity and way of like tackling and um, approaching the world is very traditional masculine. Mm, we can talk hyper-masculine. Hyper-masculine yeah. is a better way to put it. Not always necessarily toxic masculine, which I think there is some of that in here too, mm. but this very hyper-masculine, protective yeah. dad Yeah, there's figure. nothing wrong with that masculinity. That's not think. necessarily no, all, no. but that's his identity mm-hmm. and it could be really silly and somehow it's not. Yeah. And I think that's pretty remarkable because it could be very silly. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Just the only times when I think that level of sincerity or just how serious it takes itself kind of it doesn't work for me and it, this might just because we see it so often once mm-hmm. you have to dilute it because they have it to up, keep going back to it is yeah. the monologuing about memories of his family yep like every 25 fucking minutes we have another monologue about his family i was like i get it i understand how much you miss them how much damage that has caused mm-hmm. you losing them them being murdered i get it 
I don't, I don't need this another monologue about it. I really don't. And I, and it, once again, it felt like it was stalling. The, po- the point had been the made. We understood yes. this, and mm-hmm. it's not just the monologuing. I think in your tweets about this, because we were both sort of half live tweeting it. Yeah, the flashbacks for you mm. didn't work either. Why was that? I'll just get my tweet up. How about that? Okay, that's a good idea. So I like because I, I because I articulated I, it well. Then I'm probably going to slaughter it now. So. I I agree with you. Yeah. <sighs> Because they were trying to do this thing where they were sort of building on them, right? He'd have his flashback to his wife talking to him in his bedroom and then he would cut away and then this soldier would enter the scene and we know that's not how she died, so that had to have been a fantasy and then that turns out to be him Mm. under the mask and that was referencing two things. One, that he's the man who killed the cop in the video that's sort of the the criminal... uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the video that's getting around that's going to paint a bad light of the military or whatever, the yeah. illegal dealings that have been going on and covering up their tracks of drug dealing and stuff. And also that he feels guilt for his parent for his family's death. Mm-hmm. But to return to it three or four times and then to even have that scene play again in a fantasy-like scenario when he's getting the shit beat out of him in the last yeah. or second last episode or whatever it is, it was an idea, but it again, diluted. It got... It got Pushed to the point of being yeah. almost ineffective completely. I, I mean, I liked the flashbacks in that second to last episode. The ones in the dark, like the black in, in space. The, in the black space. Yep. I preferred them. And because... Again, I don't think they were flashbacks. They're fantasies. Fantasies, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Because they had a psychological purpose. Yes. Um, obviously, to, so he's he doesn't have to be present in what's happening now. But I also like them because they come... They allow him mentally to come to a conclusion about himself. Sure. Is that in the realisation that he is home, yep. this is who he is now, this is where he belongs. For better or for worse, yep. that's, that's who he is, yep. it's what he does now. So I like those flashbacks. If sure. the flashbacks had had purpose all the way through and wasn't just to reiterate a point that had been made, I don't know, in Daredevil Season 2. Yeah. It was just silly. Anyway, I'm just going to quickly read that tweet, which was about the flashbacks. Because I was having a real hard time with them. So I just wrote, sickly sweet flashbacks of Frank's murdered family don't build sentimentality. It cheapens his pain and turns any real loss into nostalgia for a Hallmark card life that could never really exist. And it's true because it's just, it's it's not even real stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not- that, it, it doesn't feel genuine. And I understand no. like the first person perspective where his wife, is it Mary, I think? Um, <laughs> Probably. Mar- Maria, sorry, Maria, Maria Castle. Right. Um, is like and it's like right up close. And she's mm. got that. The, I think one of the biggest problems with Maria and even the kids is it's they don't feel like real people. No, they feel like these romanticized mm-hmm. versions of his memories. So I mean, like it's sickly sweet. You're like that's not. And I think there's even a way of playing that. Like you can twist his because as time passes, his memories mm. are going to fade and be altered, and he's. And I think there's something to be even played into there a little bit, but that's not what the show's trying to do. No, no, They're just all. trying to make you care it's about like, this oh, person. Oh, didn't he lose the perfect life? Yes. So I don't care about perfect life. Do you know one of the scenes I did like that was a flashback mm. was the one with Billy uh, Russo at the end um, where we see them. I think it was a flashback, not a fantasy, because he has implanted other people into his like memories. So do you remember in the, like in the middle of the season, there was one like fantasy that Frank was having where his family was having dinner with Micro's family. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So we know he sort of has these weird like half memory, half fantasy moments, mm. but there was the one where they went to the park with the ponies 
painted ponies or whatever they refer to them as the, the merry-go-round mm-hmm. and Billy's there and Uncle Billy and they're talking about things. They're talking about the fact that he's an orphan and stuff like that. And I was like, this is actually good. You are establishing in episode 13. I'm about to say, I wish it would come earlier. A connection yeah. between the villain mm-hmm. and you and your dead family. Well, that's the thing because the connection had always been to me unless like maybe I blanked out when it was happening was that it was these two guys were worked together. Yes. We're in the army together. Yeah. That was the connection. Exactly. I had no idea he that was he that was being close. invited around for dinner. Yeah. The kids saw him as like an uncle. Yeah. And he had a relationship with the kids. I had no idea that until like episode 13. And I do worry that that's in there. If someone wants to correct us and say, Please oh, no, that, that is in there. Yeah. It might have been amongst a bunch of white noise that <laughs> I was having a real hard time concentrating on I because was it was so yeah. slow. And that's not like, I would admit that's our fault, mm-hmm. but the show cannot engage us. And like we we just did Strange Things Season 2 the other day mm. and we binged that over three days as well. Yeah. It's a couple episodes shorter. Actually, only two episodes shorter, I think, from memory. Or maybe, yeah. Two. Oh, yep. yeah, two it's 11. Three. Is it 11? No, it's nine. It's four episodes shorter. Because, is it nine episodes? Yeah, it's nine episodes. Because episode seven and there's two other oh, episodes. Oh, that's right. And I will oh. always remember episode seven. Episode seven. Oh, we, we, all, we, all, we all will. I'm having flashbacks right now. So, it's a, couple, it's a few episodes shorter, true. But even when I thought the show was a bit slow, I wasn't losing, I wasn't disengaged from the show. Mm-mm. This, it, because we kept having these office scenes or as you saw the the Matrix set yeah. with Micro and and Frank, and it's just the same setting, very similar tonal conversations and yeah. things will seem to be progressing. It's Frank like goes out on a mission and Frank goes out on a mission and Frank goes out on a mission while mm. Micro sits at home. It's like, okay. We know who the bad guys are. They are trying to figure it out. We know that him and, and Homeland, the Department of Homeland Security or at least our two main cops there, mm. are looking for the same person. Yeah. And so when it's not getting there and we know it's going to come up, it's like, we're just fucking killing time, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And so we, they've already given us the information. Not, so it's just... And we've already... They've already, already given us a lot of the... Emo- so I actually found myself... I was actually quite engaged up until about halfway. Okay. And then because it wasn't giving me new information, it was just extending this narrative beyond its natural life, mm-hmm. that's when I was really starting to disengage because I don't. all the points I needed to make had been made. Mm. I didn't need more scenes. As much as I kind of enjoyed them for what they were, more scenes of Frank as Pete over at Micro's family's <laughs> house. Like, you, this. Mm. how many times does he come up, go over to that house? Just is there either by invitation or shows up. At least half a dozen. At least half a dozen. Yeah. And those scenes go for 10 or 15 mm-hmm. minutes a pop. And it's like, there's a whole movie's worth of stuff there that's just Frank connecting with a family. Yeah. It's actually not a bad story, but diluted over a whole season. Move on to something else, guys. Come on. Yeah, totally. I, I think I was, for the first, I don't know, maybe quarter, third, I was disengaged. And yeah. then it became, I became a little bit more interested in the middle. Um, and But it was just like, then I'd slump again until yeah. like maybe the second last episode. And I was like, okay, cool. Um but yeah, so I it was. There were moments I think that I was like, "Oh, this is really enga- engaging." I see something there. Yeah. Um, particularly the stuff with the 
young soldier guy. I was like, this is a cool story. Yes. What's happening here? And I think the guy, I don't know his name, that performer, it, it was incredible. It was excellent. I agree. So I didn't actually put him in the credits. Um, his name was Lewis Walker. Yeah, Daniel Weber is the name of the Daniel actor. Daniel Weber. Yeah, um, he did such a great job with that. I was yeah. just like, wow, what a, yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting. But, uh, you know, where does it fit? Where does it? Where does that go? What are we saying with that story? I well, think is we, I don't even know what they're doing with that. We'll come to that. I definitely want to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Maybe let's skip to there now because I'd like how let's go. Let's go there because it is. It does end up being a huge part of the show. Mm. Is it does seem to be trying to, and I think smartly, and it does it at times quite well is trying to talk about the bigger themes of like what happens when a killer comes home from war. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows that in multiple different ways. You've got Curtis who has sort of come back. Um, he was sort of like a medic um, and he has found a way that to... That goat story is so upsetting. Right, yeah. I was like, they blew up goats? What the fuck? Yeah, and That's then made so you awful. fix them and then kept blowing them up until they died. <sighs> That's so fucked up. Yep. Oh my God, it makes me sick anyway. The... But, like, he came back and he was able to find a positive outlet. Like, mm-hmm. he was able to find a footing in society and a purpose to help other vets who mm-hmm. were in a similar situation to him. Yeah. Th- that includes um, the character of Lewis Walcott, who um, he's come back and feels completely lost. When mm. you talk about Frank finds his home in not... Because he has this opportunity in the last couple of episodes of, like, Dying essentially and going to his family is sort of what they're yeah. suggesting. Um, he stays to fight the fight. Mm. Lewis has come back and doesn't know where he belongs anymore. He's digging a trench in his backyard to yeah. sleep in because he can't I, sleep yeah, his bed I think, anymore. You know, it's with all about the veteran characters that mm-hmm. we have. It's about finding purpose mm-hmm. and what's the purpose that you're happy with. Obviously, Curtis has found something really positive. He's taken, you know the trauma and the the powerlessness that he has felt from losing a leg and funneling it into something else, into connecting with people and like sharing um, his story and that's his purpose. And then we've got on the other side, we've got Frank whose purpose is to, you know, just kill everyone, just to to be a righteous force and use violence. And then we have, was his name Lucas? Uh, Lewis. Lewis, sorry. And then we have Lewis who is adrift and not really sure until he who has kind, that. Like he looks up to what Frank's doing and thinks mm-hmm. that Frank is fighting the fight. But Lewis sees his outlet not at taking on the corrupt elements of government, but taking on government who he sees as an oppressor, taking away his freedoms. He's got yeah. that very patriot attitude. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. Well, this is what was the timing of this show is really interesting as well because there's a big gun control debate segment in I here. I mean, that's been happening for 15 years. It could come out at any moment That's an extremely good point. It's it happening like three matter. times a week. Yeah. It's a good point. It wouldn't matter when it was. It would always be topical. Um, you've got that going on. Plus, you've got this patriotism um, story. So, right now in the States, obviously, you've got this whole, uh, what do you call it, controversy around athletes, NFL players kneeling during the national anthem and whether that is sort of flying in the face of its veterans and Mm. um, showing disrespect towards this country and flag and the men who fight for it and stuff like that. So, you've got this patriotism thing going on. 
Um, the reason that people theoretically have elected Donald Trump is because they want to drain the swamp, this corrupt government. But then you've also got that character. I can't remember the guy's name, but that old supposed veteran yeah. who was shot up to curse the thing. Who guy was who's full of full shit. Full of fucking shit. Mm-hmm. And when he showed up in like episode two mm. or episode one, it might have even been even. I think Frank was talking with him. Uh, or Frank was coming to that session. He was standing outside, actually, while Curtis was doing his, like, um, veteran in support In the first group. episode, does Frank come back from being Pete in that first episode? Uh, the very end of it. Very end. Okay. It's like his sort of when he... We we see him have to return to violence. Yeah. But I believe as part of that, when he's sort of working on the work site, he goes to Curtis and he's stands outside oh, and listens okay, to his thing yeah, and okay, like right. as the like session's going on mm-hmm. and that older guy yeah. is there spouting about the government, they don't give a shit about us and mm-hmm. we're always pushed to the back of the line and pushing a very like white America first sort of policy. <laughs> and I was really trying to figure out what the show was going for there, whether it really believed that was a legitimate point of view or whether it thought it was bullshit. And I wasn't sure until we found out the guy was full of shit. And I was like, oh, this makes mm-hmm. sense. But then Lewis even though he he kills this guy because he was a fucking liar, still embodies a lot of that sentiment and is trying to, like, get a message across about how yeah. the government is, like, corrupt and fucking them over. Yeah, I think, like, so he starts then killing citizens instead yeah, and all this sort of stuff. Lewis certainly agrees with that guy's point of view. Yeah. He just thinks he, now he himself is he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Yeah, whereas that other guy is not. Um, And, like, all of that... Is very interesting. It's not always done subtly. And I don't think its message is always clear. No, not at all. And that's the, it's super confusing. The the gun control stuff in particular, I really wasn't sure where they were going for with that. What, what does that mean? I don't even I don't understand what they're saying at all. Because there's a clear side of like, you know, background checks are really important. There's clearly you know a, a kid who's suffering mentally who has access to firearms and access to things that can, you know, make a bomb and all this stuff. And that's very bad. What he's doing is bad. But then we have Frank, whose solution to every problem is to murder people with guns. What is the message? Why are we having this conversation if you don't have a a clear message there? I don't understand what it is. The hardest bit for me was Karen, right? Fuck off, Karen. Because Karen shows up in this show for like three or four episodes. And probably her main... Stint is this section in the middle where Lewis is sort of um, sent a letter to her paper and wants her. She he sees her as like being one of the good ones and has singled her out specifically. And she carries a gun with her, mm-hmm. and we've known that since the dead of at least season two, if not earlier, maybe even season one. Um, I think maybe season one after she's attacked. Yeah, and, and his face saves it her. It becomes Matt. a point, and it's the dividing point between her and Matt in. Daredevil, mm. is that they see very different solutions to the same problem. She's very sympathetic towards Frank, whereas Matt Murdoch isn't. Yeah. Um, and so when she's having this gun control debate with this uh, liberal politician, mm. which they sort of try and undermine by the idea that he has an uh, armed security. Yeah. And then she has the gun in her bag and then it gets taken off her. And oh, then they like show that-, that scene where... Lewis is kind of going nuts in the room and she goes to get the gun, but it's not there. Yeah. I'm like, what's the point you're trying to make here? Are you trying to suggest that Karen would have fucking solved this? She would have put this guy down? Because mm. I'm not sure that's a really great position to be at here. I'm no. not sure what you're trying to yeah, really it's suggest. super confusing. What are they saying there? That we should all have guns? That's what. That's Karen's point of view and they the, the show seems to support it. 
That's like, because who, who is the counter then to that? We've got Frank Love's The counter gun. is the sleazy liberal guy who is performed in a way as to make his argument as discrediting as possible. Mm. Like, he is not meant to be taken seriously because he's seen as a sleazy politician. Yeah. I wanted a Matt Murdock in this scene. Mm. That's, where's Matt? We need that to have this balanced conversation yeah. because the person you've, because Karen, just by being Karen, even if you don't like her, is a main character who we have some sympathy for and obviously is connected to Frank. So, her argument seemed more legitimate just because of her standing in the narrative. Mm-hmm. This sleazy liberal guy, yeah. who seems to be contradicting his statement with his armed force, his armed security, does not represent a point of view that's particularly balanced or fair compared to Karen's, I don't think. And it's yeah, very I mean, confusing to try and go there if you can't have it properly. Yeah, I mean, Karen's whole thing is that, like, it's fine to kill baddies. But then you have to have the conversations like, well, who defines who is bad and who is good? Yeah. Because otherwise, we've just got a bunch of... Because obviously, Lewis thinks he's killing... Bad, well, he's destroying the system to destroy the baddies. Yep. And sure, there are going to be people who get in the way. But ultimately, he's fighting the ultimate evil. So, then, like, without any kind of definition of who is bad and who is good, mm-hmm. none of it is going to make sense because then people feel the right to do whatever they want. I think the bit that makes it really difficult and one of the things that the Netflix Marvel shows keep showing us is that we cannot trust the government and we cannot trust the cops. Mm. And I think it has to do that because all our heroes are vigilantes, right? And so if we're going to side with these people who are, you know, outside the law, we have to believe that the law is not good at what it's doing. And so the show has has to follow up on the idea that law enforcement is not doing their job. And how'd you like that? Oh, I'll let you finish it. Well, it just it it really places the whole argument real in a difficult position because while that has to be the premise of this show, that's not necessarily a good reflection of reality. Mm. Um, that's not. There's more subtleties to that, and in this universe, of course, the vigilantes have to be the real heroes here, but that's not the way it works in society. It's just like fueling what, from an outside point of view, looks to be like an already really paranoid country when it comes to their government yes just so suspicious yes and just is fueling that fire yes at a particularly contentious moment in time yes which doesn't seem overly responsible Responsible. it's a real big question and i've noticed a lot of the commentary around it a lot of people agreed with you actually just go back to your point before that the start was really slow and i for whatever reason was actually quite into it i think i was Mm. really enjoying the style of the show which i'll get back to a bit but a lot of people have got to it's like, got to the end of it, tried to have a message, but is ultimately I have no idea what it was trying to say. Mm. I really don't know what its point of view is. Um, at times it seems like it's reflecting on like that that Frank's Frank's violent side is really bad, not just for him, for people around him. Um, but then it's trying to reinforce that he's one of the good guys and he's doing right, even with his ultra-violent tendencies. Um and then it's trying to have a gun control debate. And then it's like, I don't, I don't that's the thing. You're, I just think if you, you're, you're touching on these things, yeah. but you're not doing it, having a responsible discussion. I think, I think if you're existing in this world where our main dude is ultra violent and that's the world he lives in, then I don't think you should ever have one of these topical discussions. I just think like it's completely out of context that a guy like Frank who is going out savagely murdering people 
would just be like, oh, I'm only going to kill baddies. They exist in a different world. Yeah, that, this is the problem. It's right. And even in that episode, which is episode 10, I think, um, which is a whole thing we'll talk about at one stage. The So, the idea is like you look at Frank, right? And Frank comes in and everyone thinks he's a terrorist too. But he's not because he's doing the right thing with guns, mm. right? He's killing the right people with yeah, the guns. He's beheading the right people, He's guys. beheading the right people. Um, and Lewis is not. Lewis is the wrong person to have guns. But how do you distinguish the difference between a Lewis and a, and a Frank? Mm-hmm. It's so difficult because ultimately they're still both extremely violent, vicious yeah. people. Well, because it's just perspective. It's just like, obviously, if I read in the newspaper that someone was like savagely beating and murdering and even beheading people, even if I found out they were like a crime boss or whatever, I would never be like, oh, that's cool. That's okay. I would never, ever do that. Even if they were a pedophile, I would be like, that's never okay to do that. Whereas some people are like, that's totally cool. You see it all the time. People are like, oh, fucking no. I'll, I'll kill a pedophile, all, all this stuff. So yeah. it's completely perspective-based. And this is where the ending betrays one of its foundational points of view that it has to follow all the way through, is mm. that people that like this who seem to be able to avoid the system taking them down mm-hmm. should be killed. That we have to justify that Frank is our hero, is doing some sort of social good, and Karen will reinforce this by killing people. So what does he do at the end? He lets Rousseau <laughs> live. Mm. Why? What has Frank learnt about not killing people all of a sudden? Why has the show changed its perspective on this so completely? Mm-hmm. That seems to betray that character and what... That, like, that has to be the baseline for what we believe mm. our hero is, that is doing the right thing. Because he does it to everybody except... You know, he has that bit where he doesn't want to shoot the kid in the tunnel when he's leaving the US base and stuff yep. like that. And I get that whole thing. He shouldn't just be killing soldiers or whatever because he's in trouble. Um, but Russo, like anybody at this stage, has definitely proved himself to be worth killing if any of the other people are. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the <sighs> show posited, posits it as... Because Frank says, like, you know, I, I, I look for them every morning or whatever. Like, I... I I think about them like all the time, whatever. And so he's like, now when you see your ugly face, you're going to think about me and you're going to have something to dwell on like the way I do. I was like, okay, so if that is how Frank feels, then the Punisher should should be a guy who walks around just mutilating people. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense with with everything else that's come before about what the Punisher does. If he reaches that point, we need to see the steps before he makes that decision. Yeah. And the problem is, I think, ultimately, the reason they keep him alive is because they... Because... Because he's Jigsaw. Well, Jigsaw, his (laughs) face is mutilated, right? So this was the origin story of Jigsaw, ultimately. And Russo will come back in in a future season of The Punisher, theoretically, Mm -hmm. having become Jigsaw. Because Frank let him live, which might be a point of drama and tension and philosophical, like, um, internal, uh, what do you want, conflict for him in the later season, but isn't earned because he shouldn't have kept him alive because he's never done that before. Yeah, no, it's, it's not really what weird. he does. Very odd. Mm-hmm. And, like, and just is a great example of, like, if you're going to try and approach these themes, do yeah. it properly or don't do it at all. Although, i got to say, if the punish is going to exist on television, you've got to have... I'm at least happy with the soldier PDS. The gun control stuff, maybe not. But the soldier coming back from war, trying to find their place in society I'm again... I'm down for that story. ...was great and really important mm-hmm. and helped contextualise Frank 
yeah. and his place in the world really well. I love that this is existing in a world full of veterans. It was veterans talking to yeah. other veterans. Which small, is, small world of full of veterans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is great because often like if we get a, a veteran story, it's like obviously a veteran is experiencing some PTSD or mm-hmm. some sort of negative side effect of the work they've done. And then it's people talking at them or talking to them about how to get through that. But very, but very rarely is there like like a community of soldiers are like trying to help each other, and I was like totally invested. In that. I was like, "Ooh, that's a story I like." I loved was his name Curtis. I thought he was fantastic. Yes, me too. I totally ship Curtis and Frank a hundred percent. If they want to kiss a little bit, I'll happily watch. That's fine. <laughs> You're really into a bit of man on man, aren't you? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Why not? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, I just found a note here that just as I was talking about the whole... Sometimes I even just be able to quite tell what the, the series is going for. There's the bit in... It's like episode three or four where we have a flashback to when they're going on this mission that... Asian Orange has put them on that Frank's like that's a fucking trap don't send us in there and then when shit goes down that's the mission they reference in the court case right in yeah I think so and it's like when shit's going down he just goes full on he like becomes the punisher in that moment right and they're playing this like I think it's Springsteen but I'm not sure because they mentioned Springsteen he's going to get the tickets to see the boss and it's playing this like I don't recognize the song, but it's like it's all red, white, and blue, blue, very patriotic. And I honestly wasn't sure at the beginning of it what its message was. Are you trying to suggest this is heroic, or are you suggesting this is fucked up? Is this ironic? And it was only afterwards, once they were back at the base, and they are fucked up, and he is ropeable. They were put in that situation at all, yeah. and everyone's been messed up by this situation. That it finally went, okay, that was ironic. What you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think everyone who watches this show is going to believe so and is going to look at it and go, yeah, fuck yeah, Frank Castle, what a patriot, what a hero. Yeah, I don't think that's the case at all. Yep. And I'm not even sure if they meant it ironically. I think they did mean it ironically. Okay. Well, I, I think they meant it as a point of juxtaposition. Like this, I I really wasn't sure at first. Right. It, only in the aftermath does it come into focus that that's what they were going for because it really does... Like everyone's traumatized by that whole incident. And the fact that he is traumatized mm. and the commanding officer is like... Get the fuck over yeah. it, buddy. There is a moment, I can't remember what it is, but it's um, it's either Pearl Jam or just Eddie Vedder, the lead from Pearl Jam. Mm. He's singing a song about being a soldier and it's all like, it's all just bullshit. So I was like, okay, that's a nice little um, musical punch to kind of like, yeah, put that forward to be like, yeah, no, being, having gone through that, that'll fuck you up. And, you know, all these promises that are made to you are probably bullshit. Mm. What did you think of just the violence in the show in general? This is as violent as any of these Marvel series have gotten so far. 
Um, it was intense, but I was think... Was it times? I, I liked it. It's a weird way to put it, but I, I think it, it suits the character of the Punisher. It makes yeah. sense. I'm like, if this guy's like... It's when he goes into these rages and just like bam, 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 bam. And it's just, yeah, savagely murdering people. Mm-hmm. I think we need to see it. I think otherwise it'll feel weird and fake. And Yeah, if you're going to have yeah. him, he, he, it is crucial to the character. It is central to the character for good or for bad. Yeah. Um, go there with yeah. it. Sometimes I think some of the choices they make with him are odd, though. You already mentioned the beheading thing. Mm. That one to me seems odd, especially if he doesn't have a personal connection to that even then, beheading someone to me seems really, especially when you, he would have done it with a fucking knife. And like there was a strategic element to it. He throws it in there and it's an intimidation thing and he attaches a grenade to it and blows up a couple of guys doing it. But like that's so like desecrating a corpse. It's mutilation mm. of a body. Yeah. And I know these are bad guys, but that seemed... I, I feel like the Punisher, for the most part, while he gets brutal, is brutal for the sake of being effective, mm. not for the sake of, like, causing gore and a mess. While that's the result, that's not his aim. I found that one a lot. Yeah, I think because the Punisher, because he's the Punisher in that the moment, too, yeah. Yeah, um, is, and he, he believes Rousseau is going to be there. Yes. I kind of wish he was there. To see it. Yeah. To s- and that's the reason that Frank did. He's like, you want to fucking push me? Look what, like, look what I will do. Look at the I'm animal you have created. Yep. That's me. But because he isn't there and we know he isn't there, yep. it cheapens it. Whereas perhaps if, like, you know, Orange tells uh, BDIs, who are like, all right, you're going on the mission. And then so we assume that he is there and we see Frank just being like, mowing through these guys and like Russo I'm fucking coming for you yeah. to feel terrified and then to see oh he realizes Russo isn't there and he looks back at what he's done he's like fuck yeah. you know what I mean like I think that would have been more effective yeah um the style of the show is interesting as well beyond the violence um I think it sets itself apart really well from any of the other marvel stuff I sort of noticed have you seen any Mr Robot no, I ha- everyone keeps telling me to watch it. Yeah. Apparently it's great. I've watched little bits of it. I, I think, actually, I think I, all I've watched is like a season finale. I think season one finale while, over my brother's shoulder while we're on the plane to Europe like last year. So, not an ideal experience, right? Yeah. Why weren't you watching your own stuff? What are you doing, you I, I don't know. I was between things and he was like watching it and he was trying to get me to, right. you know, he's engaging with me at the time. Um, one of the things that stood out to me though, and I think a lot of things that people have commented on is it's got a very, very unique shooting style. Uh, characters are placed really in the corners of frame sometimes. There's like mm. heaps of headroom and space in front of or next to the characters and so forth. And it's not to that extreme in this, but there is a lot of this sort of odd isolating framing mm. that's going on. It's, as I said, not as extreme, um, but sort of Mr. Robot light almost. It's very, very um, desaturated as well um, and very cold and very... But I really liked its style and I really liked there's like these minimalistic soundscapes. The music that is in it is primarily either like really like grungy type rock stuff during an action scene or a bit of sort of a, a bluesy guitar yeah, twang. But con- it, contemplative. Yeah. yeah. But even then, there's a lot of scenes where it's just like I would expect there to be more soundable music. And it's kept very minimalist. It keeps it very grounded and realistic, especially I kept noticing this with the um, micro and Frank scenes in the warehouse area. 
Um, and while there are too many of these scenes ultimately, and that becomes boring and stale, I, it really was separating itself nicely from the other ones. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see a fresh sort of style coming to it as well. Um, and I still kind of, I, we already said this, but I love the performances that the two leads in Micro and Frank. Absolutely. Oh, they're I mean, so good together. Because I was being, I was getting frustrated with, a, you know, another performance. And I was just like, fuck this. Um, when <laughs> we came back to a scene with those two, I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah. I really, yeah, I think they play off each other really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, a lot of the action, they can choose to do things in. So there's the sequence in the woods um, with Gunner, and mm-hmm. they're sort of following it. It's done deliberately because. Agent Orange is like showing these like head cams, these first person views on his screen. That's right. And yeah. they keep going to this first person angle. And I really like that because it it again it was it was completely unique. And there's no ninjas in this show. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that cool? So I remember like because when we were first watching it and I asked you how you were doing with it, and you were like, you're like, yeah, I really like it. I was like, thank God there aren't any ninjas. Yeah. Because that has been a real sore point in other shows. Yeah. And while this basically just becomes a bunch of gunfights, gunfights weren't that thing we were getting a lot of except for that first few episodes of The Punisher season. Uh, sorry, Daredevil season two mm. with The Punisher. Um, it was a nice change of pace. Yeah. And and choosing like to do it from a first person perspective, show it in a very tactical way was refreshing. Um, it was good. It probably helps that we watching this months after seeing the Defenders and not immediately afterwards as well. Um, but I liked that stuff. I thought that was very grounded and cool. I wish I could comment on the style, but I really don't notice that stuff. You know. Yeah. No. I was I was really really into it. These very deliberate wide angle frames as well. There was one sequence where um, Russo and I think Agent Orange were sort of sitting across from each other. And if you looked at them from the, it was almost actually distracting when I noticed it. When you look at them from the side angle, the couches were like a meter or two apart. Mm. But when you went to their front on angles, there was very wide framed and it felt like the camera must have been like, I don't know, 20 meters back. Right. And you're like, but where the fuck is Russo's couch? Like, <laughs> and then you cut to the other side, like, but where the fuck is Agent Orange's couch? Like, it's so far back, they've obviously removed that. And it, but mm. it, a little bit distracting, but also just it gave a real, I don't know, it was, it was, they were beautiful shots and they were very, um, when the show was dragging out its story, at least I was sort of like, okay, this is nice to look at to right. some degree. I kind of wish I'd watched it on my great big amazing TV because I, I, I think I started doing that mm-hmm. and then I would get so distracted by anything else in the room because I just wasn't engaged what was on the TV. So I actually had to put it on my laptop, mm-hmm. have subtitles, so I was actively reading to stay engaged. That kept you engaged doing it that way. Just it, I mean, it helped, but because yeah. otherwise I'd just be on my phone or just staring into blank space, wishing I wasn't there. Which feels like it's like hard to talk about a show if that's happening, but I think it's a real criticism to say the show wasn't pulling you in. Yeah, like it totally. wasn't keeping you engaged is a criticism. There were certainly moments like with the mm. young soldier, the young vet coming back, I was definitely engaged with that. A lot of the micro Frank stuff, I was there until towards the end when I'd seen that scene a couple of times. I was yeah. like, I don't need to watch this again. But yeah. Um, what did you think? So, we already discussed this a little bit. There's no ninjas. There's no superpowers. No. No mystical bullshit whatsoever. Yeah. This could almost be a show in a completely different series. It, it, it feels- It kind of feels like that. I made a point on Twitter about- There was a sequence. <laughs> do you remember the sequence um, when Frank goes to um, that military base and the guy's having dinner and then it turns into like a- um, 
what they call S and M? No. What's the word? Oh, uh, yeah, S and M. Yeah. yeah, sort of thing. We yeah. he, she tips the wine. The, the dominatrix. Ground, there, the dominatrix. That, yeah. That's it. And I was like, this universe, this show exists in the same universe as like Tom Holland's Spider Man. <laughs> it's amazing how tonally different <laughs> and yeah. so separated t- from each other they feel, yet apparently exist in the same world. I find that really fascinating at times. Like Thor Ragnarok is going on in some corner of the universe <laughs> while this is happening to Frank Castle. That's really funny. And I was just like, that's really. Yeah, Amazing. it's hard to kind of like rectify or like bring it together in your brain because it just doesn't really go. No, it doesn't. At least like Daredevil, Daredevil is more violent and dark. It did still feel like a superhero thing. This one is as far away from superhero stuff as we've gotten so far. There wasn't even like, I was waiting for, you remember Jessica Jones, they had like the super soldier like pill oh, thing. that's right. I was yeah. waiting for that to come in and not even thing. that happened. No, they're just normal soldiers. It's just a full on crime drama. Yeah. Yeah. Police true. crime drama with a violent vigilante. Like that's what it is. And um, I think it's pretty cool, if nothing else, that that can exist. And it's nice to have a change of... Like, although I say, it does feel like... And I was having this discussion with someone on Twitter as well. Um, it does feel like he... Frank has like some sort of Wolverine healing factor. Because fuck that man, heals he quickly. He gets shot so many times. In fact, I, I started to try and figure out what the time frame of all this was. It felt... I was like, this is taking place over months, right? Even though it feels like it's taking place over about two weeks. Mm. It must have been months. Because Frank has to heal up occasionally. Even yeah. Curtis, I think. Like... He needs to heal between getting the shit beat out of him and then when he has his confrontation with Russo in his apartment later. Yeah, it must be a really long time. It's, You're right. It has to be a fairly stretched out period of time, yeah. I think. Um, it just It's a shame that um, Micro himself and his family keep talking about how he's been dead for a year. Specifically a year, yeah. So you'd keep- be like, oh, he's been dead for a year and a half. Yeah. But they don't say that. They no. just keep the same time frame. Um, yeah, there was the... Yeah, I was worried. Uh, yeah, the like, how like over what period of time is Frank going over to their house? Mm. Is it inside a week of when he got run over by the car, or is it multiple times with a couple of weeks break between them over months? Mm. It was very hard to like figure that out. Um, I'm kind of running out of stuff to talk about. Honestly, did you want to talk about anything in particular? We haven't really talked about um, Madani. Yeah, let's say that's one of my points. Is I hated her. Yeah, I found her so boring. Yeah. So she has a cute lisp, though. Uncharismatic. I actually, yeah, don't like it. I mean, I love lisp, but there's, um, maybe it's just the character I hate, so I just kind of projected sure. everything. Um, just boring. I don't know who she is. I don't care about her. I don't care about her partner that died. I wish I did. They were trying to do what they did with, um, what's her name's character in Luke Cage. Remember she had, like, the crooked cop? Um, Misty, Misty Knight, Knight yeah. Misty Knight's partner He was like the crooked cop But she really had a real connection with him when he yeah, died Yeah, well that's Because in my little notes here I'm like So what gives her a distinctive personality? Because with Frank and Micro We see them have lots of scenes together mm-hmm. Where they, you know, share a bit of humour A bit of like lightheartedness Between all the other stuff mm-hmm. So we see them as real people Yeah We don't really have that with her We have a couple of scenes with her partner but like Stein or whatever his name is, but like that doesn't feel real. It. I think they I tried to go there with her and her mother. Oh, <laughs> the first scene of her and her mum is yeah. so poorly written yeah. and badly performed. I was like, this is fucking shit. I think it was like I don't know in the first episode or something. And I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this again. I don't want to watch another Marvel show. This is awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's terrible and I, I'm so upset because I think she's going to come back and I just really wish she wouldn't. I 100% agree that she's the that storyline is the weakest link and it's the one that's like 
while it's kind of important. I mean, is it though? Like, could you remove her wholesale and still get to this point some other way? I feel like you could. I think you could. I feel like we don't necessarily need a character to be this central to what's going on or even be that connected to Russo or any of that sort of stuff because it doesn't really play into the end. Yeah. Do we just find out that he was a he was a creep the entire time and the bad guy and doesn't really affect her that much, I don't think. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It does seem just there to pat it out. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I really did. And I thought the it performance doesn't, it was It doesn't terrible. help that the majority of this storyline is just her and her partner having really basic done cop conversations in a trust. fucking no, great you gotta office. earn trust no you've got to earn trust yep. oh you've earned my trust now yep fuck that was over like five episodes yeah yeah it really was <sighs> yeah they i don't trust you frank anymore oh no now i have to earn your trust again it's oh like, looks like we found out that frank's alive 10 seconds later everyone knows frank's alive yeah. like he gets found out because of that dash cam when he's running away from people. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's inconsequential to the story. She just had to be the cop because there needed to be some good guy on the inside too. But even then, what does Homeland Security really do about the situation? Like, everything's resolved because of Frank's actions. Yeah, they just let it play out. And then they're and like, thanks, it, Frank. Is that the other reason they need to let Russo live is so that they, have, they can get him arrested? Because... Otherwise, Frank could have done this all on his own. If he just chose yeah. to kill Russo, the entire solution is so they Frank's. blamed Orange and Russo, yeah. 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 Okay, sure. So, yeah, cut that Boring. out, please. Thank you. Was Appreciate there any, anything else specific you wanted to talk about? Oh, just how much I hate Karen as well. <laughs> yeah, Karen, uh, our favourite. I'm so sick of Karen, obviously, specifically, but also just like female characters in general. And I remember, um, I think Emma Thompson was talking about this in an interview where she's like, you know, I got so many scripts in which the man is off doing the thing and I was the woman character who's just like, no, don't do the thing. And that's all like your function is to be like, no, don't do the thing because I understand emotions and you should too. She's like, fuck, oh, just. Do you you believe that like Frank, like they're obviously setting up. I was wondering for a while, I thought they might have actually been setting up Frank with um, Mrs. Micro. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) I wasn't. I thought they were going to start Frank with Mrs. Micro, who I got to tell you, they actually had chemistry. Fuck like, yeah, they did. I was. I like, wanted them to both. <laughs> yeah, there was Real, the sequ- on like the kitchen bench. Just was, fucking go for it. There man. was the sequence where the video stuff was down. I just yeah. tweeted yeah, flowers, <laughs> wine, uh, surveillance network to your uh, part to the husband or ex or just dead husband yeah. down. Frank's going to get his fuck on yeah, here, that and that should have because they had woman. chemistry. Yes. Wants to be fucked by Frank <laughs> real hard. <laughs> and I mean real hard. <laughs> and to the point that like when Micro is finally reunited with his family and they have like shitty sex in the bathroom, yeah. I'm like, oh, I should have fucked Frank. He <laughs> <laughs> like, was just like, no, yeah. she obviously like needs to really be fucked. Yeah. And her husband's just not going to do it for her. And I, I feel bad for her. Because she w- keeps being like, so where's Frank? Yeah. Where, so, where, But where's Frank? Um, where is his penis specifically? Where is, is that the last scene they have together? I think so. That is like, that is the climax that that storyline <laughs> deserved. <laughs> well played. Um, totally though. That They had way more chemistry. And the Karen stuff, Karen's fucking, I'm so over this like eternal, nearly about to cry face thing that she does. So I was because I was watching it with subtitles to kind of keep my attention. Her subtitles are hilarious. Are they? It's like 
whimpers. They don't know how to sighs write Sighs heavily. Yes. They're like over and over. She's like whimpering and sighing. That's all she's doing. They try to make her a bit of a hard ass in this because she like helps Frank to take down Curtis or whatever his name is. Um, no, Curtis is the good guy. No, you're right. Sorry. Uh, Lewis. Sorry. Mm. And his name. Um, <laughs> and, like, make her a part of that. And she's got the gun and she shoots him in the foot and stuff like that. But ultimately, she's just there to be, like, essentially the slightly more proactive damsel in distress yes, for Frank. Totally. And, oh, boy. Yeah, just don't buy it. <laughs> this, Karen as Especially a when he has so much more chemistry with another yeah, woman. It's, it's like, don't, don't so do it. So far, I haven't seen Karen have chemistry with anyone. And anyone. yet they force her on not everyone. Foggy, not Matt, not Frank, Mm-mm, no, no one. one. Yeah. But, like, this whole thing that Karen is a journalist is a fucking joke. When she's all, like... She's a prestigious journalist, too. People love her. Oh, I mean, she's been around for a week just really <laughs> hitting those stories. I mean, we, we all heard a great story for Daredevil 2 that she wrote. Oh, her editorial piece. Just a quick side note. Not really a spoiler, I promise. I know I'm bad at spoilers sometimes. In Justice League, there is a moment with a Lois Lane mm. article that's written about some events that's, like, narrated. I was like, oh, my God, it's Karen Page all over a fucking again. It's, in, it's invaded this this movie, too. Hell. Oh, God. But, like, she can't mess with an open investigation when she's like, I'm going to publish this letter. And her boss is like, you can't do that. You have to ask permission. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it and I'm going to say I'm writing it because it's so important that I stand up. It's like, no, you just want to put your fucking name on it. Like it's meant to be noble that she's like putting herself on the line. She writing, wants to. But she wants it. She's fucking gagging for a bit, a bit of attention. I was like, I hate you, she's, Karen. She's, but she's ga- like this, this is the bit of Karen that I wish they explore more is Karen's fascination with guns is not necessarily about protecting yourself. It's because she wants to be a fucking like Frank Castle. Yeah. She, she's got a hard on for what he does and wants to be him. And she pe- keeps putting herself in the firing line without having the skills that he does. Mm-hmm. And that's the bit that's missing from that gun debate is that Karen's not just about protecting herself. Get fucked. Yeah. She she's wants to be soul. In it. Yeah. She she fucking loves it. Yeah. That's why yeah, she that's like, why she loved Daredevil before she found out he was Matt and she he'd betrayed her. That's why he loves Frank Castle because he's getting shit done with his guns. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I think I mean that's part it's of the awful. discussion that yeah, they definitely should be having is that while, you know, some people are like, you know, everyone should have guns, the point is not everyone is a soldier and knows what to do with a gun and can get themselves really fucked up in those situations. But they yeah. don't really do that. And I you know, just to reiterate, I hate Karen. <laughs> Wish she was dead. I'm so, I'm so done with her. And oh, it's an insult that they think that we would want Frank to be with her. I agree. Frank's better than that. You don't deserve Frank Castle, Karen. No, you don't. Um, anything else or should we get on to quickfire comments? Um, I just, oh no, I guess I can bring this up in no, predictions no, or whatever. Up. I was going to say that. Even though Russo is still alive, mm. I am hoping that in the future they move away from this vengeance storyline. They've got to at this point, right? Because I'm done with it. Don't you feel like – I feel like they sort of – part of what they were doing here was – like they show him moving on and they mm. like backtrack like, yeah, we know we did that in, in Daredevil, but he was sort of someone else's show, so we should probably do this properly now. Yeah. Um, make it more personal. Not that – wasn't there the guy who was like his commanding officer who like didn't show up in this series or flashbacks at all who ended up being the guy that was sort of manipulating him from the beginning anyway? Remember the guy that came and like did his like character witness thing in the court he, case? He, no, he killed him in I know, Daredevil. What I mean is he was in the flashbacks. Like this is a guy who oh. apparently knew him. Like No, he was in one of the flashbacks. Was he that guy? Yeah, in when they when we see them at that fight, like oh. the actual 
battle scene. Oh. He's there for a is bit. That, oh, wait, he loses his arm, doesn't he? Is that Something him? Something like that. Does he lose his arm? Is that the guy that loses his arm? This is where I'm getting confused, no. right? Anyway, that... I think he's just injured or something. I can't remember. Anyway. Anyway, that... But, like, I, it felt like we'd done it. The only reason I felt like we're doing it again is because I thought, well, it was in someone else's story. Let's do it properly. Yeah. He needs to move on from that. If the Punisher's whole thing is just... Unless of, Surely you're going to run out of people to... There was... Yeah, no, you, I think you're right. Like, if it's just about your family dying, yeah. That was actually a point I thought we were going to make at one stage. I thought Frank was starting to fucking invent things here. I mm. thought there was that... You know, in, the, in his fantasy where he kills his family? Yeah. Part of me wondered, didn't think it was likely to be the, the case, but maybe he did snap, kill his family, and has since been trying to blame it on other people ever since. It's sort of half... Bullshitting and that's his why it's through. so like this elaborate just conspiracy yeah. and why there's always more people because he can never come to actual he can never be fulfilled and he can't his be at peace with it he's because he's not being honest about it because yeah. it, it ultimately it was him that did it mm. um i kept wondering about that whether that might be something they'd lean on because i tell you what if he's still got people to kill based on his family's <laughs> death next season he definitely did it <laughs> If he's like, oh, and then Gary down the road, (laughs) he looked at me funny. Wait, my neighbor who I just moved next to is also fucking hell. Oh, good. He was in it the whole time. Um, Are we ready for quick fly comments? I believe so. All right, here is the uh, buzzer. Just try that, make sure that's working. Excellent, excellent. Can I go first? Of course you can. Excellent. Quick fire comments, round one, go. Running gate recognition, is that a real thing? That made me laugh. I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? Fuck. Uh, Karen. Oh, fuck. It's Karen. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, Micro's family plays Catan, so he can't be all bad. Um, we didn't know whether Micro was good or bad at that Did stage. They? Yeah, they had Catan on the table. Oh, it was like half played. Nice. I was like, that's good. Running this man over with her car was the best thing this woman ever did, except he <laughs> didn't end up fucking her, unfortunately. Oh, shit. Things went wrong. Oh, no. He's singing like a bird. This was a setup. Damn it. So the bit where, you know, where early on. Yeah, what the fuck? So Frank has the, like, the boss of Medini or whatever and like. He has him tied oh, up yeah. and then I was like, when he escaped and like had the gun to Frank, I was like, oh my God, things mm. went wrong for Frank. And then he started talking. I was like, oh no, this is a setup. Okay. Yeah. That's a shame. Um, oh, uh, no, I just don't want to Getting in the boot of the car was pretty clever. The way he found his way to micro. Frank being the one who killed the cop is pretty interesting. So when we found out he was the one who actually did it was good. And I they didn't dwell on that, but I'm glad that, that was, there was some texture to that. That mm. Frank was culpable to this and regrets it since then. Long episode getting Frank a sidekick. That was the micro thing. That's all that boiled down to. Oh, the obligatory. Our hero is dying and needs a nurse episode this of the season. No Claire, though. That's a twist. I was shocked not to see Claire. I was waiting for I'm Claire. I'm glad they didn't force it if there wasn't a way to Me do it too. organically. Uh, whoa, that is some fucking... Bullshit that cop pulled with the reach for my gun stuff with um, Lewis on the steps. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. So then the steps to some law courts, right? That's where they are? Yes. And this cop in broad daylight where like witnesses are all around is going, it just seemed like, really? Is that what he's, he's a bad cop. They're all bad. Yes, so it just this is the problem, right? This is the thing in the in these so, Marvel shows, they just... The majority of cops are either being bought out or they've been yeah. their immoral assholes. Yeah. The cost of faking your own death on your family is not an uninteresting angle to explore. It just feels like padding in a show like The Punisher, unfortunately. Yeah, let's just say that 15 million times. Yeah. New Stein had to die there and forgot about the Russo's Assassin's Blade. That was cool. Went all LTA there. Yeah, as soon as um, Frank was talking to the son about like killing someone with a knife. Mm-hmm. And then that scene where, like, 
they were having the battle between the two people, whatever, the yep. different groups. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to die and it's going to be a knife. Well, I thought that too. And then he actually took, got him to get rid of his knife or took out his knife. Yeah. I was like, maybe Ooh. not. And then I yeah. then I'd completely forgotten about the, the uh, Assassin's, Assassin's Blade. Creed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the scene with Micro's family finding out Pete is Frank is dumb. The mother shows zero concern what the fuck? Do you remember when they're sitting on the couch and they're like, do you really think Frank, like, or do you really think Pete mm. is bad? And she's like, she's kind of just like, eh, don't worry about it too much. I'm like. Uh, no, I didn't really like that at all. She, I, I was just like, you should be really terrified. And when like, there's a knock at the door and she's like, I wonder who that is. And the kid goes, I'll go do it. I was like, wait, you know that Pete's not who he said he was. And I'd be really concerned. I yeah, wouldn't be pretending I, all happy families at that stage. No, I, I, yeah, I read it a bit differently, I think. What did you read? I think just her just being like, shut it off, like, and just coming to terms with her naivety, I guess, and, and mistake. Yeah. Um, the, then the, the, all these notes basically from here on are just, I think this show has lost its way. <laughs> um, uh, a grenade launcher, really? That seems a little overkill for a one-on-one fight with a person at a when, fucking when? merry-go-round. Oh yeah, right then. Then yeah. just the merry—I just thought the merry-go-round thing with like the two kids tied up, tied up, and like them like weaving in and out of like. Felt like a Joker thing, right? Felt dumb. I hated that. Just I also wanted a wide shot of the merry-go-round. Because it just seemed really funny them walking like in between the horses. I'm like, how, I mean. do, how are they not seeing each other? Just give me some, a perspective so I can understand why that feels so threatening, I guess. We talked about in, I think it was Luke Cage, and I'll keep this quick because we've still got the, time, the music going here. The um, We talked about in Luke Cage how it felt like they were starting to rush, like they're, how they mm. were making it. Yeah. Um, that I felt like it started to happen here. It was losing some of its style as it just tried to get the story made. Anyway, um, wait, did this all boil down to being an orphan makes you bad? And finally... I think the answer is yes. And then finally, we'll stop the clock. End of quick fire comments round one. What do you think of like the start of, I think it was episode 10 or 11, the birds in the cage moment where Lewis has the birds in the cage and he opens up and tries to release them and they don't go. They're not even interested in leaving their cage. Did you think that was an effective metaphor for what they were trying to sort of say there about how you sort of get used to your yeah. Look, I didn't think cages. about it. I was just terrified that he was going to kill the birds. The oh, entire I time I was like, please don't kill the birds. Please don't kill the birds. Right. So I didn't even think about it. But that's some deep shit, man. Yeah, I, I thought it was – I thought – a lot of people probably won't think about it. For It was it was visually – a visual story beat or a visual moment that I thought was like, okay, that's mm. subtle-ish, yep. except that you put it – you dwelled on this for the first two minutes of the episode, but yeah. Yeah. I kind of liked what it was suggesting there without having to outright say, oh, these people are defined by their cage and feel want to go back to I their I didn't cage. even think about it. Uh, now I now I am. I'm like, oh, this, this is show the guy is I remember incredible. That Five stars. Built, you know, dug his trench and stuff. Anyway. Yeah. What about you? You yeah, got some great. quick fire comments? I do have some quick fire comments. Awesome. When you're ready. All right. Start the clock. Same fucking opening titles. Fuck off. Can someone please be original? I did want to talk about the opening titles, but let's save. I'll get some points about that. We'll talk about the end. Yep. Uh, He's not smashing that wall properly to displace the bricks. It really bothers me. He's coming out at the wrong angle. Um, Is that right? Yes. Do we really need to see happy flashbacks, hear laughter of his kids? We've kind of talked about that. Um, When construction workers act like mean girls, it made me laugh. They were just like (laughs) high school bullies. I loved it. 
Uh, they should say hipster more. It's very cool and relevant. They kept going back oh, to that, didn't God, they? Oh, they love that word. Oh, we a, hip. Not a, not a uh. hipster. Don't call me a hipster. Uh, why is Madani sitting so close to Karen? I'd be asking for some personal space. So close. It made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, more Karen shaking and crying. Thank goodness. Really want that. Sleeping pills and coffee. You're sending some real mixed messages, Dad. That was Lewis's dad. <laughs> making the coffee and gives him sleeping pills. Um, Madani looks like she lives in a hotel room. Like the decor is fucking atrocious. It's so badly done. Uh, oh, yeah. Karen doesn't know what the fuck she's doing as a journalist. We all know that. Get back on the horse right now or give up your career entirely. What great advice from the world's best boyfriend. <laughs> God, Russo. Uh, I just noticed in episode 10, Karen, or the lady who plays Karen, has a cold and it's very distracting because her voice is different. I thought Frank... Yeah, I noticed that too. There was a scene where Frank was like... Uh, I think it's the one where he had um, Russo in, in Lewis's place or Curse's place. And he's lined oh, up. Yeah. And it's a really close shot. And there's this like... As Frank breathes... Out of one of his nostrils, this like big wet drip keeps moving oh, up and down. Really? I was like, I think it's I think it's rain, but it was coming only oh, when he was breathing. It would right. like drop down. Ooh. I was like, it, that looks really gross. I'm High death is that. not serving you well here. Um, also in episode 10, the ending is fucking hilarious to me when he's like zip lining out of the building. Yes. So funny. <laughs> also the awful green screen moment where he drops down with the fireman's hose and he hits the bottom. It's like, oh, they, it's obviously oh, yeah. it was a reshoot, right? Yeah. They need to like get a moment they didn't have. Mm. And it just looks awful. It lasts for about half a second. I was like, that was terrible. I think this is episode 11, but it's when Frank is sitting by that like bin of fire mm. and he's like, Got wearing like a little hoodie or whatever, and he just kind of looks like he's just pouting. And they've got this awful song playing. It's just it's so over the top, and sure. just like he's reflecting on his life and his choices. I can't imagine the pain ever being over the no, top. No, 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 no. Um, Frank's go-to move is to challenge people to shoot him as he walks away. Yes. You gotta do what you gotta do, <laughs> and then he just walks away and then yeah. ends up killing them anyway. Um, I wish Micro would shave off his disgusting beard. Yeah, don't know why. Mate, I only thing I thought about because I kept thinking at the end of this, just get a fucking razor, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially if you're going to see your family. But I, I'm guessing they were shooting out of sequence. Yeah. And so they and couldn't also, get to shave it. Even in the flashbacks, he had a bit of a beard. Yeah, so true. I was like, oh, you, sir, please don't. Your beard is terrible. Sir, please, <laughs> please no, sir. Anyway, that's the end of my quick back comments. Beautiful. All right, let's start wrapping this baby up. Least favorite and favorite episodes. Damask, what was your least favorite episode this um, season? Look, with so many to choose from, it's hard. No, kidding. I don't remember any of them. Um, so I'm going to all with- <laughs> mesh in together. <laughs> I'm going to go with episode two. Uh, two, two dead men. Yeah. Um, one because we don't really have the mic and Frank dynamic yet mm-hmm. um, and I really like that it's a big part of what what I like about this season um, we get way too much boring agent lady Madani I'm um, talking about her old partner mm-hmm. um, and it was actually in this episode where I was like remembering how long Marvel episodes are yep. episode two I was like oh no this that's right I remember this so I, I think I was just yeah struggling at that point gotcha yep. you were feeling the the the, the strain pool. already. Sure. Yeah. What about you? My least favorite episode is episode 10, Virtue of the Vicious. Um, this is the one <laughs> where we spend all of it inside this one building where this attack from um, Lewis has happened. And 
it it stands out as being really different, not just tonally and style, but it it feels silly compared to the it's rest of the season. It's trying to do something. It's got this non-linear storytelling thing going. At first, I was just like, first I was like, did I accidentally skip an episode? <laughs> that was on my notes as well. I'm like, did I skip a, an episode? Whoopsie. Yeah, because yeah. all of a sudden we knew that there was this probably attack going to happen on this on this yeah. um, politician, and then all of a sudden the, the attack had happened, and I could tell because it was the same thing. I was like, wait, I must have like. I'd gone from my watching my phone at work to watching my laptop. I must have skipped an episode. Yeah. No, no, I didn't. Okay. And then it's like six hours earlier. I was like, oh, that was an unnecessary flash forward. They could have just done it in sequence. And then it went back and forth. I was like, oh, no. Uh, well, You're my not notes Quentin Tarantino. Like, Please don't do this. What is the purpose of doing this? To try and make a boring storyline interesting and to try and have the episode have its own, like try and make a memorable episode. Mm. They did for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Because then you've got this whole gun control thing with Karen that's half-baked that I don't like. And then you've got this thing where sometimes they're telling, like they showed an alternate version of the same situation. They only do it once. It's like either do this consistently or don't do it at all. Mm. Don't show me the politician's point of view of how yeah, Frank Yeah, that was the really room. confusing because I thought and that's what the, real the episode one. was going to be is like getting everyone's different perspective right. and that's not what it was And then it just does it all. once. And it's yeah. like then don't do it mm-hmm. if you're not going to follow through with this completely. Yeah. Um, and then you've got these, the awful bit with the fire hose and the awful shot at the end of Frank, <laughs> that green screen shot of so Frank bad. on the zip line. So bad. Just not good. Yeah. Really, really bad. Um, oh, one other thing about that episode. Mm. They keep having these interviews with like the people who were there inside the crime scene. Six hours later, does that really seem like that's what they're going to do? There's no one walking around taking photos. They've just abandoned... The floor is yeah, look, littered with bodies and when blood. When two known terrorists have been somewhere, it's like, it's best to stay around, I think. <laughs> just stay just here. Just hang out, yeah. That's a great Who idea. Who knows if they've planted bombs? We don't. Who cares? Time to talk. It yeah. was... that. I mean, all of that stuff. <laughs> sure, more visually interesting than an interview room at a police station, but makes no fucking sense. Favourite episode of the season? I'm going to go with Ep 12. Home, okay. um, just when like everything comes together, and I mean, I consider this kind of the finale in like thirteen is a bit of an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like yeah, finally that long build up is paying off. We see the brutality of the Punisher, like both what he can endure and what he can unleash on others. Um, it yeah, it just felt like the finale that I wanted. Yep. So yeah, I was really I was really happy with it, and it 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 showed me a part of. Frank that I hadn't seen before, I guess, when he he comes to that conclusion of like, no, this is this is where I am, this is where I want to be. Yeah, you really took Frank to a place and made yeah made he made a, a decision a decision. Yeah, yeah, it was a decisive point for him in his um in his arc and his yeah. life. That's true. I agree. So with that. I'm looking forward to now that he knows who he is in the future. What do you think of that last scene of him? The very last scene. It's him, if I remember rightly. And I was struggling to stay engaged. About thirteen, right. where he is basically at one of Curtis's like um, he's having a talk with yeah, one of the group sessions. Vets. Sort of. I was confused. Isn't he still meant to be like officially on the run? Why the fuck would he be doing something so public? That's what I don't understand because they've given him a different name, and, and no like, one's going to recognize. Frank yeah, I was like, Castle. I assume like that means he was going to go to like Canada or something, yeah. or Switzerland probably. Go to an entire. You can't stay yeah. in New York, mate. No, 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 no. Yeah. That and obviously, odd. like, what I find interesting is that, like, Micro's family don't recognise the guy who was part of the trial of the century. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's an weird. extremely good point. You should have kept his beard. It, I was going to say, it was better when he had the beard and the hair. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, they didn't want to be too hipster though. I had to yeah. get rid of it. <laughs> What's your favorite episode? Um, my favorite episode, for lack of a better term, is episode eight, Cold Steel. Um, I thought, I, I don't know, it was just one of those scenes where I thought every, the execution of everything was going pretty well. Mm-hmm. So there was, um, they were talking a lot about like the cost of micro faking his own death. And I thought that was kind of interesting, even though it was a bit of padding. Um, it is the, I know you didn't feel like it, 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 like you didn't feel it, but the shootout with Stein's death. I thought was effective on an action level, although m- m- what's her name again? Um, Madani. Madani doesn't look like she knows how to hold a gun, so that was no, a bit weird. not at all. Um, and then the shower scene at the end, while it's interesting, as I'm saying this, I'm talking myself out of this. All th- my, it's funny because my notes in this episode, it's not good. Not good. No, I'm I'm just like, oh, cool, more skinny, pasty sex. Blur. When will the torment end? This actress has no charisma. Why am I being forced to watch her? God, I hope she doesn't come back for another season. Another story about his life. I really like John Bernthal and his voice, but do we need a monologue every 25 minutes? I don't even know why Homeland and Billy's people are going head to head. What are they after? I'm so confused because I just tuned out at that point. All right. Well, Stein (laughs) is going to die from a knife. Yep, called it. She has blood all over her face. If you're covered in blood, why would you have a bath? You're just going to be swimming around in bloody water. That's disgusting. All right, I'm going to change my vote. I'm going to make it um, episode one uh which was Sorry, called bro. no i think you're right there i can't remember what episode one was called uh, episode one and 3am 3am thank you and i did before i knew where the show was going i kind of liked the tone they were going for there was that fun montage at the start with fun montage fun. but like fr- it was frank being the punisher it, it was good yeah and it was effective and it got him to a place where we could build off something new. Did they do that? Don't know. But after episode one, it was like, there was a lot of minimal dialogue that was just allowing um, John Bernthal to just Mm -hmm. act, to just him reading Moby Dick in his room and sort of like um, reflecting on his family and trying to move on with his life was kind of interesting to me. I I was enjoying his performance and I was enjoying this new tone that felt very different from other Marvel shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sort of sucked in at that point. Um, Did it really follow through with that? No, because they just reset his storyline and made him redo what he did in the in Daredevil season two. But anyway, apart from that, I quite liked that episode. Um, Your final score and ranking, because if you can remember, we can rank these against the other Marvel shows. I kind of remember. That's fine. Um, Give me, give me a score. it's, It's certainly better than other Marvel series. Yep. Um, but I'm at the point where I'm so tired of watching them. Yeah, right. I know. I think I'm going to give it a three, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three because it's not shit and I can see why people would really like it who weren't experiencing the fatigue I am. Yep, totally. I think. And maybe if you watch maybe an episode once a week, I can yeah. kind of see. Again, it's the binge model yeah. and it being too – but the thing is if you watch it once a week, I think you're going to have a hard time tracking You'd forget what's stuff. happening because it just – plays because of the binge model they mm. make it play like one long movie yeah i just don't have enough content yeah. to do that so i'm gonna give it a, a low three i think while some of the storylines are really strong and i really like it's it's quite disjointed yeah uh which is unfortunate some of the writing is appalling i think there are great performances in here that i really commend um yeah i'm gonna give it a low three what about okay. you i'm gonna give it a three as well yep. um which in my ranking for the many of the reasons you're talking about I think it's good stuff in there. Again, the main biggest problem is just it's drawn out well past its storyline's um, lifespan. It just doesn't have enough there to be 13 episodes long. 
He puts it below Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. He puts it on the same level as Daredevil Season 2, which I think is appropriate because the Punisher was in that one too. Yeah. Above Daredevil Season 1, above The Defenders, and well above The Iron Fist. Yep. That's where I'm placing well, it. Well above. Well, well above. Yeah. Do you want to keep watching? No. No. I'm never going... I, I will watch season two of Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jones yep. but I'm really worried about it because I loved Kilgrave. That's what I loved about. Yeah, I'm really concerned about that too. So, but otherwise I will never watch another Marvel show. Another Marvel, sh- any Marvel show. Not unless something happens and people are like, oh my God, this is the best thing on TV. I, will, I, won't, I won't do it. Because I'm done with Marvel's Netflix shows, right? But I am... Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. And Runaways, the Hulu show. Oh, and Runaways, right, right, right. Like, I legitimately want to start watching that immediately after filming this. I'll... Recording this, which is surprising. I'll rephrase. (laughs) I'm never watching a Marvel Netflix show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm, They've just, like... I've been hurt one too many times, you know what I mean? Did it help at all that we put the... We'd at least put space between this and the Defenders? We weren't trying to watch a season after season after season after season of... Marvel help? shows because that was really wearing us down. You know I think what? at the time it didn't help actually because I because like I said for my least favorite episode by episode two I was like I remember why I fucking hate these shows because yeah. I was wondering whether it would make a big difference too I think it made a difference for a while until it it just kept yeah. drawing I mean I think out. mentally I wasn't exhausted so yes. I was able to kind of like get through it. Mm-hmm. But I was able to endure it. Yeah, but I certainly wasn't like, oh, this is cool. No, no, no. I don't think it helped that much, no. Um, what are your predictions, hopes, concerns? Do you have any? My hope is that they move away from the vengeance thing, like we said. Yep. Um, my concern is that they don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, my concern is that Marvel Netflix shows continue to have the same formula. Yeah, my, my prayer is that they move <laughs> on from 13 episodes and reduce them to between 8 and 10 episodes a season. Yeah. I think you could tell a really solid season in that amount of time. And Netflix, it's going to be cheaper. Like, think about it. Yeah, it really like, is going to be more cost effective. Just your budget. Exactly. And you'll end up with better stuff. It's, it's working for Stranger Things. Why wouldn't you stick with that model? Nine episodes yeah. seems to work for eight or nine, depending on the season. Um, my prediction and major concern is that I will somehow get sucked back into this Netflix rubbish. <laughs> that is my concern. Uh, I think mm, I'm going to, if something happens and you're like, I'm going to watch this season for whatever reason, I'm going to let you watch it. And then, and then we'll then decide. You, let me know how it goes because I'm not going through it Do again. Do we know what's coming up next? Je- Jessica Jones is filming, right? And I think Luke Cage has been filming too. So I they're up next. I'm pretty sure they're the next two. Certainly due for another Jessica Jones. I think Jones. Daredevil's maybe been pushed back a little bit further. Yeah. I think it's the other two now. Yeah. Because they already oh, have but when's the this. next Iron Fist coming out? Can't wait. Funny joke, Damask. <laughs> Funny you. joke. Uh, all right. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by searching for us on Facebook. Search for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at Hunting Scast. You can email us at huntingseasonspodcast at gmail.com. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S. Um, this week, I've been. I'm stealing this from another podcast uh, that Ooh. I follow. This is something that the dialogue options guys always talk about. They talk about what they've been tweeting about. Ah. To actually make. Hey, maybe listeners, you should follow us on Twitter. Uh, what have <laughs> I talked about? I put up my review of Justice League is up there. Yeah, it's Had good. A lot of extra comments on The Punisher. Um, a few things like that have been the yeah. main things I've been tweeting about. What about you, Damask? What's your Twitter handle? 
My Twitter is Maskymu, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. And I've just been tweeting about The Punisher because I just needed a sense of community to get through it. So <laughs> Very good. Um, thank you very much to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net. You can also find him on Instagram by searching for at Draws. Also, thank you to Jordan Calavis for our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. Please, 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 please consider, beg you, maybe not beg, we'd really appreciate <laughs> it if you would review us on whatever platform you happen to find our podcast on, be that iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or whatever. Um, give us a rating, give us a share, tell your friends about us. That'd be fantastic. Thank you very much. It helps us get seen by other people next week. Believe the next episode that our listeners will hear after this one mm. is going to be your episode of The Handmaid's <gasps> Tale with Ooh, Lauren. Oh, yeah. Which will be fun, which was a long time coming, that one. It was. Um, but it's long finally happening. Coming. And then the week after that, because this won't get mentioned in your podcast, we're going to be doing a very special episode. <gasps> episode 50, the last episode <gasps> of this year and oh this season God. of Hunting Seasons. What is it? What is it? Joss Wedden's Firefly. Da-da-da. Beautiful. Cult classic cancelled well before its time. Mm-hmm. It's its 15th anniversary this year. That's amazing to me. Which is crazy. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward. To, I've already started watching a few of the episodes to see mm-hmm. if I can do it. Yeah. And lots of thoughts come back straight away. Yeah. So looking forward to that. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening once again. We will see you next time. Catch you later. Bye. Earbuds. Melbourne's Podcast Network. EarbudsNetwork.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.